Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a shout-out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. Today's episode is a direct follow-up to my Jank is Not Junk episode from the podcast last week, where I delved into how I look at jank cards, jank strategies, and how jank itself is not a junk format or not a junk way of using cards, but can instead be a fun and very powerful way of playing EDH slash Commander. And in that line, I wanted to talk a little bit today about Temple of the False God. This has commonly been considered jank and rather unplayable in the EDH community at large, and I wanted to tackle that notion because I find this card, while it's not perfect in every deck, um, can be used in a lot of good brews to good effect. So for those of you who don't know what this card is, Temple of the False God is a land that taps for two colorless mana. Again, uh, this was retconned, or I mean eroded, in some of the later versions. The C15 version I have in front of me here says two colorless, but that has been eroded, or uh, two generics, excuse me. But that has been eroded to two colorless as of a couple years ago. And you, the caveat being, you can activate this ability only if you control five or more lands. So a lot of the, the difficulty with playing this card in the greater EDH community, or at least one of the major issues with it, I mean, the major issue with I should, excuse me, has been the fact that uh, when you're trying to play high-powered commander, you really don't want this card in your hand. Because again, you're going to be drawing up to your seven-card hand, and if you have a Temple of the False God in your hand, um, unless you have five or four other lands in your hand to be able to play at that exact moment, you're not going to be able to get any benefit out of a Temple of the False God because it doesn't tap for any mana unless you have five or more lands. Again, now this includes itself, but the fact is you need at least four other lands for this thing to trigger. So in higher powered circles, this card could be considered unplayable in many cases because you can't afford to have a dead land on the field or in your hand. And I've seen others uh, lampoon this card because, again, when you're trying to get fast mana out there, get a lot of uh, get a lot of lands in play, this may not necessarily be a really good thing to draw in your first uh, your first hand, and effectively then you're just looking at a six card hand. And while I can understand this being an issue, and I've had this issue happen to me once or twice myself, um, I do consider that this is ex still an extremely playable card in the right situations. Again, I really like. Uh, jank brews, so I don't always look for the most optimized mana base. So again, Temple of the False God may not be good for optimized decks. This is not a CEDH staple by any means. But if you're not looking for an optimal mana base where you're trying to get as many lands out as possible, fetches, duels, etc., etc., Temple of the False God can be a really good addition. Because again, we're playing a singleton format with 99 or you know 98 cards in your deck if you're playing a partner. And the odds of you drawing Temple of the False God in your first hand are actually really slim. You're looking at about a 7% chance, maybe 1% chance of, of pulling it out of your deck at any given time. So the fact is, is that I don't feel like this card specifically is really going to screw up your mana if you're okay having a suboptimal mana base like I do in my decks. But the place where I really find that this card shines is in uh, monocolored decks. Again, effectively everything that doesn't have green as a color in it. Because again, green can ramp. You can go find other lands in your deck, you can get them out in the field. But other colors, especially my mono black Kothafed deck, which I love very much, 
sometimes deals with some mana issues. Sometimes you're not quite able to get your draw engines online, you're not getting the number of swamps you need, etc., etc. And I feel like Temple of the False God, you know, after a couple of turns, all of a sudden starts to become a real boon. Again, that two colorless mana could allow you the freedom to be able to do something you maybe wouldn't otherwise have access to if you had one fewer land. So, it, so in a way, it's almost like you're able to have a land that ramps you as soon as you have those five lands. And again, in, while it may not be the best first turn draw, you know, if if you're playing in like the battle cruiser to mid power tables where I'm playing with my local, with my play group, you're gonna find that more often than not, this card is going to be able to come down, hit the table, and you're gonna be able to get several uses out of it before the end of the game. And it's effectively going to ramp you. So in my Kothafed deck, if I'm able to get it out, let's say turn five or something, you know, it's say yeah, I draw turn four or five. Well, if I've been able to play lands up till then. All of a sudden, I'm able to cast my commander for six. That is a huge deal versus having to wait till at least turn six to be able to do this. Now, again, there is going to be some controversy there. Again, I could use mana rocks. I do run mana rocks in that deck to try to ramp me. But I feel like as far as a land is concerned, your Temple of the False God is much safer than any sort of artifact because it's not as prone to removal. Now, again, that's not to say that opposing players don't have some kind of Ghost Quarter, Wasteland... Uh, some way to be able to destroy this land, but if you're playing in, in the right meta where you don't have uh, really any or any land destruction, whether single or mass land destruction, I feel like Temple of the False God is a much safer way to really be able to ramp yourself in those colors that don't have ramping potential of their own. So this is especially important in a mono-white deck I'm looking to try to build right now. I'm not quite sure what the commander is going to be, but I know for sure I'm going to be including Temple of the False God because again, as we know, white is very well documented as not having a lot of ramp options. And this right here provides you land-based ramp. Now, again, it's not going to help you if you don't draw the card. But on the other hand, um, if, you, if you are playing a mono-color deck, the fact that you can get two colorless out of a land just by uh, having a few lands out on the battlefield could be a huge boon in the right situations. And honestly... In, in, in the Jank Brews I play, again, I don't play it in every deck. I have double or I have two and three color decks that don't run this card because, again, I need to make sure I fix my mana because I am playing a suboptimal mana base. I'm not playing all the expensive lands. I'm playing some tap lands and a lot of basics. I love basics. But in my monocolored decks, I love to run Temple of the False God, again, because I really enjoy the ability to ramp myself. I'm able to draw it because I'm able to get one land ahead just by having a few lands out on the table. And that can make all the difference um, turn six, seven, eight, if you really need the mana and you're not drawing your mana rocks. That extra colorless mana could make a huge difference. So while it may not be playable in the highest metas, I feel like if you're trying to build jank uh, like I do, or if you're just trying to build something for kind of the battle cruiser to mid power level, you definitely should take a look at Temple of the False God. Yes, there are downsides, but I feel that the upside on this uh, definitely outweighs those downsides quite heavily. So the next time you're looking for a suitable utility land to throw in your mid-power deck, definitely uh, take a look into Temple of the False God. I think that um, more often than not, you're going to be able to get positive results out of this than negative. And, you know, if you do draw it in your opening hand, you can always mulligan it away. Um, again, that, that's another one of those criticisms that I've heard a lot about this card, but I'm also known for mulliganing a lot because I end up with a lot of crappy opening hand draws before games. So I end up mulliganing a lot. I don't, I don't really ever get stuck with Temple of the False God in my hand. 
It happens occasionally, but more often than not, you're going to be able to get value off it, and you're going to be able to play it for the two mana. And that will wrap up today's episode. I want to hear what you think on Temple of the False God. You can find me on Twitter at at MTGinQuarantine, and you can find the back catalog of my podcasts on Spotify, Google Casts, Apple Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. And again, I want to thank you for listening to me today. My name's MJ. You've been listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. Have a great rest of your day.